That was just awesome. I watched that over and over again when I saw that last night on social media. I had missed it Monday night. Marv Levy, coach of the Bills teams that went to the Super Bowl four straight times, getting everybody riled up in advance of Monday night's 41-7 win over the Titans. They may have to have him do that before every home game this year because it worked pretty well, Christopher, to start the season for the Bills. We start this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Presented by Google Pixel, and I say good morning and hello to my co-host. Oh, hello in crime and profanity, Chris Sims. Hello, Michael Florio. How are you today? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. It really was. I mean, that's uh, still a special team. You know, I feel like too many times, like where great teams of the past that even though they didn't win Super Bowls or you know have a mark on the history of the NFL, maybe the way we would all like as fans, we don't appreciate that. Marv Levy's one of those guys. You know, Dan Reeves is another guy we've brought up before, but uh, I do appreciate the Bills and their their fan base and the way they treat him, Jim Kelly, everything. Those were special teams. It was a special era, and we haven't seen anybody come close to doing what they did there. That was four in a row. That's crazy, and just really, when you think about it. To have the ultimate sports disappointment yeah. and to go back to zero and zero and do it again three times. Yes. After you lose in heartbreaking Heartbreaker. fashion with the Scott Norwood miss against your dad's New York Giants. I was there. Yeah, that's what was crazy. Back again, back again, back again. Unbelievable. And maybe after years of frustration and anticipation, this is the years that the Bills can get it done. Marv Levy, by the way, by the way, I sent it to yeah. my son last night, and he did some research, and he was stunned to learn that Marv Levy is 90 Seven I, years old. 97. Older than Bud Grant. Older than Bud Grant. Wow. We've been amazed and impressed by Bud Grant right. and his longevity. Right. And the fact that he continues to have all of his faculties and is just amazing to listen to. Marv Levy, older than Bud Grant. Wow. Who says, you know, stress kills you? I mean, he, I mean geez, I don't know. Maybe we all need to become football coaches. That's really, that's really amazing. That is. I did not know he was that old. But as you started to say it, I started to go... Wait, he's got to be really damn old because he was pretty damn old when they were going to four Super Bowls. Like, you know, right? You're like, I started to go back and go, I feel like he was the oldest coach in football back then. So it makes, uh, it does make sense once you start to put it together there. <laughs> he returned at one point as the general manager of the Bills. Remember that? I do For remember a brief that. period of time, yeah. he was the GM, kind of like the Bill Walsh move, came back to be the GM of the 49ers after he was coaching. But Marv Levy. 97. I often have the existential thought that maybe it's not worth being around after the age of 80. A lot of stuff starts to go haywire I after the you. age of 80. I hear you. Right? But, but Marv Levy and Bud Grant proving that maybe that theory needs to be revisited. Maybe that, 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 that there is still a lot to do and a lot to contribute. Yeah. And Marv Levy is still going strong. But it really was great to see. And it's great to see what the Bills are doing. Look, I and we're we're going to play some of my interview from yesterday with Bills receiver Stephon Diggs. It's hard not to root for the Bills. And uh-huh. I know that that makes it, it – it, it's the kind of thing that is so frustrating to the other teams in their division that are competing with them. Patriots fans, Dolphins fans, even Jets fans. Jets one-on-one, by the way. It, oh, we're hearing about the Bills again. More about the Bills. The Bills, the Bills, the Bills. Stop talking about the Bills. Sorry, this is just one of those years where there, there's already, been about, there's already that, yeah. That, that, yeah. that aura, and let's see what the Bills can do. But, they, hey, 
The other three teams in the division all have a trophy. Right. The Dolphins have two. The Jets have one. The Patriots have six. The Bills have zero. So maybe this is just one year where the Bills can get theirs and 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 then the Patriots or whoever else can rise up. But it just feels like it's so long overdue. And and this is coming from the perspective of a kid who grew up in the seventies waiting for the Vikings to win one. Yeah, no. At I some know, level right. at some level I should want the Vikings to get to the top of the mountain first, but it ain't happening with my good friend number eight at quarterback, so I'll go ahead and defer to number seventeen. He loves him not today, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. The the, the Bills, it, it is hard. I, I don't know, you know what what you know. There's nothing not to like. They seem to play the right way. They're exciting. They're humble about it. And the you know when they do win, when they lose a heartbreaker, they don't make excuses or anything like that. You know, we know the fan base is starved up there. It's it's arguably one of the most rabid fan bases in football. We, you know, in L.A., Mike, I didn't even I don't even think we really talked about this when we went and saw you know you know uh, Rams Bills to open. I I really when we were around the city that few days before the game, it, it was like, what, is this the Super Bowl? Is this stadium going to be half and half? It wasn't that, but the Bills Mafia was very present. So, uh, yeah, they're they're due to get theirs and. They have a guy that's arguably the best quarterback in football, and he's, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people are seeing that now, too, and he's fun to watch. So I think that adds to it, too, and it adds to, to us talking about it a lot more. We'll focus a little more on the Bills next segment. By the way, the return of After Further Review Ooh. is coming up later in the program. By popular demand, back by popular demand. Actually, we had forgotten all about it, and somebody asked me the other day, hey, are you going to do that segment from last year that was really informative and instructive? It's like, I'd forgotten all about it. That's how riveting and necessary it felt to me. But now that it's back and we have a list of plays we're going to discuss, and this isn't to say officials bad. This is just to help people better understand the rules and look at some of these closer calls. Things are happening quickly in real time, and we're just trying to help and support and educate Everyone out there. The show, by the way, PFT Live, once again, presented by Google Pixel, Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL, live on Sky. And, and we, we, and, and I've, this is a tightrope for me. We love the folks in the UK and Ireland who enjoy the show, but we also love the folks in the US and anywhere else in the world. We don't want to pick and choose, we don't want to play favorites. We love all of our children. Except New York people. and L.A. Mike's never going back there. He likes all the people in this country, except in New York and L.A. The hell with those people. <laughs> I, I am kind of going back to New York this weekend, although I'm not going to Manhattan. I'm going to the airport in LaGuardia. Oh, well, there's a burger that uh, I heard's real good there. You should, <laughs> you should pick it up. <laughs> oh, I, we, we have had some invitations for you to eat a burger off the floor at Heathrow Airport. I did. I saw that. I saw those tweets. I did. Yeah. So they I'll may try just all show day. up. <laughs> they may all show up with burgers and just drop them on the ground uh, and tell you bon appetit. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no thank you. I won't be doing that ever again. Steelers fans have to feel like they ate a burger off the ground on Sunday watching their Steelers offense against the New England Patriots defense. It's still a game the Steelers could have won, but you got to muster something offensively. Here's Mike Tomlin, whose team has to turn it around pretty quickly for Thursday night's game against the Browns on whether he's happy with the offensive play calling from coordinator Matt Canada. 
I'm not happy with much of anything, man, when we just lost a game. But um, but I'm also experienced enough to see the big picture that we are still very much in development. And so um, I'm going to exercise appropriate patience and, and continue to teach and, and, and ask the guys to continue to learn in an effort to continue to push this train down the track and get better. I think that if anyone is sitting here on, you know, on Monday and in, in, in week two of this thing feeling happy, um, they're probably wrong. Um, or misinformed. You know, I was fascinated by what he has on his neck. At first, I thought it was a pen because I love the move of having a pen on a cord because then, then you never have to go looking for a pen. It just looks like one of those things where it's like a lanyard thing, but there's nothing there. There's nothing that it's not hooked to anything. Well, there must be something like, on the bottom. Are we missing it there? Maybe it's just. It a- looks like it's just a snap. It looks like it's a hook. There's nothing there. I was mesmerized by that because I'm thinking, I really do like the idea of wearing a pen around your neck. I'm going to start doing that, I think. Not just as a fashion statement, but so I always have a pen. It might be. I don't know. As more, the more we watch, it's a whistle, oh, too. Is That's it a what whistle? I think. I think, oh, it is, I think there you can see the little black part of the whistle at the very bottom I, below those I, silver pieces, I, it, but it didn't show at up first at all. I thought it. At first, I thought it was a pen. Then I thought it was just something that was just a a, a clasp with nothing on. Well, I was so you're to ready think... to put a pen, a whistle. I don't know. I know, or it's like a pass with his name and face on it, just in case they didn't know who but he it's was. Not in the there. Steelers facility. Yeah, but it, but but it, but he took it off because it's like they don't need to know who I am. I don't need a credential to get into. Still a coach, man. He needs his whistle. Here since 2007. Okay, so. Um, Look, he, he, he said he wants to exercise patience with Mitchell Trubisky. We'll hear from him in a moment. How much patience can you have when they are chanting Kenny, Kenny, Kenny in the stadium? Tomlin said that he didn't hear it because he's doing other things. At some point, you, you, you've got to hear it. The sound makes its way down to the field. How much patience do you think Mike Tomlin's going to have? With Trubisky, uh, I I I think it'll be you know I don't think it's going to be a rush to judgment here. He, he's never been one to be like that. Uh, that's the one thing I do respect about Mike Tomlin. Realizing hey, it's a long season. Things aren't always perfect early in the year. You know, everybody's trying to find their footing. You know, teams don't get to play a lot in the preseason anymore, like we talk about so often. You know, you don't know what to expect from the teams you're playing a little bit, so you're still gathering information there. So I think it's still, like he said, in a growing process. Is it disappointing? Yes, it is. You know, we brought up a lot of concerns in the preseason and, and lead up to week one about their, their football team and the thing that concerned us. You know, I'll, I'll stand by what I said a little bit on Sunday Night Football. I think you heard what I said, Mike. You know, I don't, I don't sit there and watch the game and go, oh, man, man, there's plays everywhere and Mitchell Trubisky's missing them. Gosh, he's got to go. It's his fault. I don't. I see an offense that has no rhythm to it. You know, every time I do see a pass down or anything significant, it's always a one-on-one shot down the sideline. So I don't see a whole lot of imagination there. And then I think you couple that, Mike, with like what we talk about a ton here is their offensive line. It ain't worth a damn. It's not worth a damn. And we've seen in two weeks they can't open holes for a guy that's very talented in Najee Harris. And so I think that plays into it. And here's the third thing, Mike, that I think also plays into it. Also knowing Mitchell Trubisky been around the block, he's got a defense, a head coach, he's probably preaching, hey, we got a pretty good defense, don't turn over, we can win these games kind of ugly. That can lead to ugly offense, too, from the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. So I think there's a few factors at play here before I want to judge it too harshly on Mitch Trubisky. Meanwhile, Matt Canada spoke yesterday about the fact that Trubisky doesn't have the freedom to change the play. Right. At the line of scrimmage. Check to the two-yard slam. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
But there's got to be, well, I hear you. There's got to be some freedom. There's got to be some discretion to be exercised by the quarterback, or at a minimum, what we see other teams do two plays called in the huddle. Sure, sure. And the quarterback picks one based upon the look that he sees from the defense. At least that. It's not even that. He's got no discretion, no ability, no leeway to change the play at the line of scrimmage. Well, I I don't. This is where I, I I didn't. I read this, but I didn't hear it. And I I would like like I, I have a hard time. I think there's been plays where he stands up and they do a second play. I'll say that, Mike. But I don't think he can just go off script to to what you're saying here. You know, I would be shocked. Every team in football is calling plays that you know not every play, but you have. You know, 10, 15, 20 plays a game where there's two plays called in the huddle. And, hey, if we get this look, we run the play we called in the huddle. You know, if we don't get this look, hey, check, 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 or kill, kill, kill. You hear the quarterback say, can, can, whatever. And that means go to the other play. But I don't think he has the discretion to just go, hey, coach, you know, I kind of saw the, the will linebacker and the free safety blitz, and I just decided to, you know, change the play altogether and max protect and, you know, throw a, a, an out route to Deontay Johnson there. Yeah, you got to earn that in the NFL. So that's where I think, you know, they're still in a process there. They're, they're doing what kind of the coach calls in. Uh, I do think there's check with me's as far as those two plays are concerned, but he doesn't have the Ben Roethlisberger ability to just go, oh, wait, I want to change the protection. Hey, you do this, you do this, and now said Hutt, that, that's, that's definitely not there yet. He did say yesterday he'd like to get into a different play at the line of scrimmage from time to time, but he doesn't have that ability yet. Canada said we're evolving to that. After you have a guy who's played 18 years, right. like Roethlisberger, right. and a guy who just got here with a bunch of young players, we're building toward that. Let's hear more from Trubisky about the urgency and the importance of getting the ball down the field in that Steelers offense. It's there, and we had our opportunities. I think earlier I can uh, take shots downfield. Uh, I think I could uh, look for a 14 more often. George, uh, he's doing a great job for us, and I just got to get these playmakers the football, whether that's uh, whatever route they're running. Uh, I just got to get them the ball. So it, it really comes down to me making better decisions, being aggressive, and, uh, and, and giving, putting us, ourselves in that position. I like to throw the ball down the field. Um, why I haven't, given the, the certain looks, especially early in the game, I can't tell you exactly why, but we're looking for that. I'm looking for that. I like to throw the ball down the field. I think every quarterback, like deep down in the heart, likes to throw their – the ball as far as they can down the football field and watch their playmakers go up and get it. So uh, we're looking for that, and we got to look for the right opportunity, right timing. Um, and it's just having that aggressive mindset and, and coming down with those plays. So uh, we want to throw the ball down the yard, but we got to be smart about it, and, and it's all about completing it. I, I perk up every time I hear someone's playmaker now. Product placement. Playmaker. Still available wherever your books are purchased, read, or whatever. But Hey, Pickens, the rookie, yeah. that got so much buzz during training camp in the preseason, he made a comment earlier this week about he's running free 90% of the time. So we're starting to see a little frustration. They've got a ton of weapons, dare I say playmakers, on that offense. At some point, it's got to click. And if it's not going to click with Mitchell Trubisky, even if it all comes down to the offensive line, Chris, if it doesn't click with Trubisky, it's going to click potentially or not yeah. with Kenny Pickett. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, we know the clock is ticking here, and if it continues to not look good, they will. I just don't think, you know, I don't think Mike Tom is the kind of guy that's going to do it after week three or week four if they're sitting there at two and two uh, or something like that. I don't think he's going to panic in that situation. 
Um, you know, I didn't watch the Patriots film yet, so I can't really speak to people flying wide open. But, man, we have a lot of different you know, TVs going on in our game, and I certainly was paying pretty close attention to that football game. I never got the sense watching replays that George Pickens was running open 90% of the time. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a little more open than I thought, and, and if I, it is, I'll correct it. You know, the, the stinky part is, yeah, no run game. Okay, yes. Offense looks, you know, a little not creative, unimaginative, and it stinks because these three receivers are freaky. But I think what also comes into play here with the New England Patriots and the Cincinnati Bengals, they play teams like Pittsburgh and go, wait, 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 they're not going to be able to run the ball on us. One of the only ways they're going to beat us is shots down the field with these receivers. And I think teams play, you know, coverages and the corners play off knowing that, wow, these are some special guys that can turn the game in one play. But, yeah, they got to find a way to get them involved more. There's no question about that. I mean, when you go into a game against the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick starts to tell you that Chase Claypool's awesome and that even when he's covered, he's not covered, and it's like Gronk, he's telling you what kind of a special player he thinks he is. Uh, so I think that says something there too. But we've seen this the last few years where we I know we've had the Ben check in the line of scrimmage thing, but too much of us talking about – how come they can't get Claypool the ball enough? How come they can't get Deontay Johnson the ball enough? And that's where you start to go, wait, okay, I know the quarterbacks haven't been great, but maybe the OC and, and company there need to pick up their end of the bargain here as well. And it is going to lead to frustration, not just outside the building, inside the building, among those receivers, if they're not going to football. And look, you know how it goes, Chris. Every receiver's running free 90% exactly of the time right. if you ask right. it. Right. But, but you got to get the ball – if you get the ball a few times during the game and you're able to go do your thing, you don't think about all the other times that you, that were, you didn't get you were open and you didn't get the Very ball. Very true. It's a delicate balance. Even if you have Dan Marino as the quarterback of that team, it's a delicate balance between Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, and Najee Harris because there's still only one ball. That's where it becomes a challenge. But if you're not getting the ball to any of them sufficiently enough, it all runs the risk of imploding. And I can't help but wonder. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Belichick's comments last week about Claypool. Uh -huh. I can't help but Go wonder ahead. whether he's just trying to stir up some trouble a little bit. All right. Because we've heard flashes of things from Claypool. He said at one point in the offseason he's one of the best three receivers in the league. He's got a contract that's going to be due for renegotiation after this season. I don't think they can pay all these guys, especially if you no. can't get the ball to them. What the hell? You can't justify paying Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and save some for George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth. You can't do it. I just wonder at some level whether there wasn't some deliberate impishness from Bill Belichick to just just get Chase Claypool riled up a little bit and get him complaining a little bit more behind the scenes about his lack of involvement by creating the urgency. Hey, even Bill Belichick sees it. I, I would be shocked. Time. Yeah. He sees it, yeah. and these dumbasses can't get me the ball. I mean, I could see Claypool thinking that at some level. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I, I mean, Bill is, of course, the most tactical person I think we've ever seen in football, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. The other thought that went through my head was just he's laying down the groundwork for the other part of the process that you talked about, right, where it is the la could be the last year he's there in Pittsburgh, and he's buttering him up to go like, hey, I see how good you are here. Come here, right? We've seen Bill do that before too. So uh, it could go either way in that discussion. But I, I think, you, you know, the, the point you make, these are some, some personalities here. And Claypool and Deontay Johnson I think are at a point in their career where if they don't 
you know, Deontay Johnson might be a little bit more quiet about the situation because he got paid, but uh, if it continues to look like this another few weeks down the road, you're, you're going to start to hear these guys spout off or show frustration, and that is going to be an annoyance to the football team and the overall goal of what they're trying to accomplish. The coach who has the ultimate blind spot when it comes to drafting and developing young receivers loves those Steelers receivers. He had Antonio Brown briefly. Yeah. I know it wasn't long enough to even register. And remember years ago when Emmanuel Sanders I was there. became a restricted free agent. Yeah, right. They signed to do an offer sheet. Yes. And, yes. And it was a one-year offer sheet. The thinking was, I remember somebody telling me, look, here's what they're doing. They're signing him to the offer sheet. It's one year. The Steelers match it. Then next year they'll sign him as a free agent. But they didn't. That's when he ended up in Denver by right. way of Kansas City the right. following year. But they wanted Emmanuel Sanders, and they got Antonio Brown. And it, it sounds like there's a little window shopping going on by Bill Belichick with Chase Claypool. And if they don't get Claypool more involved – Claypool at some point is going to notice that Bill's out there with his hoodie up, trying to trying to be deliberately inconspicuous, and it's not working by design. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I don't doubt that. I don't. And and Bill, you know, as much as we maybe talk about his eye or lack of eye for getting a receiver out of college, he knows when he sees him in the NFL how to get him and go. Wait, wait, I, this guy's good. He can he can be infused into our program, and it, it seems to work that way. You know, and let's not forget with the Steelers' offense conversation too. They played two pretty good defenses. This, it's not like they were playing teams where we looked at it and said, "Well, they should just steamroll these teams." Uh, no, I mean, I never was in an uh, in an illusion or, or state of an illusion to think that oh, they're going to go up and down the field on the Bengals and who did a good job. And the Bengals played good defense last week against the Cowboys once again. It's the offensive problem, and then. You know, the low-scoring game last week, I don't think that shocked either one of us you know, when we did our picks pod last week and all that. I don't, I don't think that was shocking. It's a really good Patriots defense that has the ability to stop the run without having to put too many people in the box to stop it. they got enough big people. So that allows them to be safe on the back end and not let up the big play. And, of course, it's not going to be any easier tomorrow night either. We'll see. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think there's, you know, a lot of things in play here. To me, the biggest problem with the football team is the fact that, you know, Najee Harris is averaging one point something yards per carry, basically. I know it's probably a little bit more than that, but man, game one, game two, there's not a hole to speak of pass protection as well. Like, you know, you talk about, get the ball down the field. I, you you playing quarterback for that football team can't have a state of mind to go, well, I'll hold the ball and let me pat the ball one more time and take another hitch step because that's going to come open. No, you do that, you're going to get your head torn off most likely. So there's there's a lot of things here, and I know we always want to talk about the quarterback, but I don't think it's I don't think it's time yet to start talking, you know, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. Not a, not yet at least. I think we're getting there, though. I think we the are. next two I games, you. Chris, are critical. Thursday night at Cleveland. National TV. Prime time. Right, right. National streaming. Asterisk. <laughs> then, hey, look, until they fix that navigation, I'm sorry. YouTube TV and YouTube, by the way. What, what navigation? What are you talking Google. about? The, when you fast Okay. Oh, that part of it. I saw I saw when, you. When you're trying right. to. Yeah. I, and this is basic. And YouTube TV has it. Mastered, when you fast forward, if you pause for a commercial because you're 57 and you have to go pee, yeah, right? <laughs> Sorry, but anybody out there who's 57 or older knows what I'm talking about, and Chris, you'll find out in time. Uh, 
you you press pause and then when you start going it shows you a little box that that shows that you're rocketing through the commercial and or you can hit 15 second jump yeah i've got 15 you. second 15 gotcha. second it takes you back to the game you're you're flying blind you're 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 flying on uh, what is it what do they say without on instruments that's you're trying to land the plane on instruments you can't see anything yeah and you overshoot the runway okay, okay. it's it's, yeah. it's you would that's think and I know that people out there get pissed at me when I say this, but I'm sorry. If you want to make this big to-do about the pivot to streaming, you got to have technology that is easy to use. You've got to have a way to let people get through the commercials and get back to the game if they have to go take a piss. Yeah, well, I'm the, sorry. The, it'll, it'll I'm sorry get to get there. riled up about no, it. It's annoying. I know. Well, you know, or you could just do like me, Mike. You know, you watch the game in the barn. I watch the game in the barn. I just kind of like – open one of the sliding doors and pee in the grass, <laughs> yeah. and then I just watch the game at the same time. I don't miss anything. I don't have to pause it. And, it's great. And when, and, your, and, when your, and when your mom visits all these years later, she understands why there's a, a dead patch, pass, a the patch porn, of grass. Right. Yeah, mom. Yeah, from mom, all the I'm, times you were it's, peeing off the porch when you were That's right. It's old time's sake, mom. I'm trying to just keep, keep the tradition alive here. <laughs> so, But, but really, uh, back to the point, if there yeah. was one, the Browns and the Jets are the next two because, Chris, it's funny. Schedules look a certain way before the season starts. Uh-huh. Then the season starts and they look a little different. After Browns and Jets for week three and four. How about this? At the Bills, Buccaneers, at the Dolphins, Yikes. at the Eagles. Yikes. That has a much different vibe, Christopher, than it did before week one. Yeah, well, that has a vibe of you better get your, you know, SH dot 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 ready here because you got some real challenges and of course this third i mean tomorrow is going to be a real challenge the browns defense is good you know they're they're going to be a handful and, a, and probably a bad matchup with the steelers in a lot of ways too because we know how good the pass rusher is it helps that J- jadevian clowney is going to be out of the football game but man yes i mean you're 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 talk, speaking the truth bills bucks dolphins eagles it doesn't get any harder than that bye week saints and then Bengals. I mean, you're playing, to me, you know, six of the top ten defenses in uh, in football as far as roster, there's scheme there, there's, there's a little bit of everything. So, yeah, they better get their crap together here soon. This could go off the rails very quickly for the Steelers, who have never had a losing record under Mike Tomlin, whose tenure dates all the way back to 2007. Pete Carroll has been the coach of the Seattle Seahawks since 2010, and they've got some weapons like the Steelers. Tyler Lockett. Yeah. DK Metcalf. Here's Pete Carroll on basically, and I guess the way to put it would be to let Gene cook because he's ready to let his new quarterback get the ball down the field in the passing game. He's, here's Pete Carroll from earlier in the week. After two weeks of, of watching Gino play, uh, we need to we don't need to hold him back at all. I think Gino's got his game ready to go. Uh, we need to trust him, and we need to let him, you know, have uh, maybe give him a few more opportunities and stuff. We were we've been pretty pretty solidly conservative, counting on running the football. When we didn't run the football, then okay, we, we didn't have much of a mix that we needed. So we can do better with that. And uh, you know, whether it's that's right or wrong, you know, I. You know, that's not the point. The point is that we need to keep expanding. We have too many explosive avenues to go to, and we got to make sure that these guys show up. I don't know if this is a way to put pressure on Geno Smith because maybe Drew Locke can do it if Geno can't. And I think back to the things Pete Carroll said, Chris, before the season when they made Geno Smith the starter 
it felt that it was intentionally temporary. The starter to start the season, the competition is continuing. And if they're pivoting the offense toward getting the ball down the field more, as they should with Metcalf and Lockett, maybe Lock is inching a little closer. Because even though they won in week one, yeah, they, their offense is not good. No. They're averaging 5.3 air yards per attempt. They have a league-low 56 rushing yards per game. Geno Smith was under 200 yards against the 49ers passing. They've got to do something, or it's going to go off the rails for them as quickly as it goes off the rails for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, again, I, 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 it's, it's, it's. You're right. They got to do something, but I don't. Again, I'm going to say just a little bit of what I said with Mitch Trubisky. I don't look at it and go, "It's a Geno issue all the time either." You know, hey, this is another year. We're talking about the same damn issue. You know, there's a an issue with lack of imagination up there in Seattle as well. And then way too conservative of an approach. I mean, listen, we were all drooling and we were texting and everything because of the week one game where they came out throwing the football. We all almost fell off our chair going, what? What are they doing here? This is amazing. And then they ran out of tricks. But, like, yeah, to me that's a, an issue. They need to open up the field. We know Pete Carroll wants to run the ball, right? But you got to open up the field, pass first, be a little aggressive, get the defense going back a little bit to help out your run game and, you know, be able to uh, get take a little pressure off of your O-line, which another, you know, situation a little like Pittsburgh here where, you know, the offensive line I don't think is anything good and it's nothing special right now in Seattle. So there's issues along that way too, but it's, it's two games in a row where we go, well, I, I don't get it. They have a guy at receiver here that's got muscles popping out of his ears and he's as fast as anybody in the game. And they don't seem to find ways to get him the ball. And it's just too little too late. And last week, too, just was way too conservative early on in the football game. It is. And it's just hard to get going playing quarterback that way. You know, that's the thing I think people need to realize sometimes, too. You play in these type of offenses where it's conservative and run the football and all of that, just like Mitchell Trubisky, it's hard to play quarterback in that kind of offense. You never feel like you're in a rhythm. You know, I know we've used this analogy in the past. It's like even Steph Curry would like, hey, can I get a, a backdoor layup to get going a little bit or just a mid-range jumper before you start asking me to hit 30-footers? And that, that's where I feel like they do an injustice to their quarterbacks that way. So uh, th this is another one where, you know, Drew Locke's got talent. I know that. And he's not, Gino's not on solid ground. But Gino's not the guy I look at to be like the number one culprit here for the issue, at least for the Seahawks. Yeah, I agree with you. Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator, is a big part of it. I mean, he's been there for a couple of years now, and it's not like the offense has suddenly become a powerhouse attack. Pete Carroll, just because they beat the Broncos isn't some sort of stone tablets etched by the hand of God validation that Pete Carroll was right. He could still be wrong. He could be wrong, and Russell Wilson could be wrong. They both could fail in this new adventure where Russ gets to cook in Denver and they can't even, you know, beat the clock to get a play called and Seattle can't get anything going either. It could be that the only way it worked for either of them is to be together. That, that would be the ultimate outcome here. If they both fail separately, they succeeded together and they may both fail separately and the Seahawks may be in the process of failing. It's still early, but when you hear this kind of stuff from Pete Carroll, you can tell there's some urgency there to 
to get the offense going a little bit more than it has. Yeah, there should be. Yeah, there should be. They have to. I don't think their defense is going to be good enough to where they're just going to be able to rely on, wait, we'll just run the ball a little and won't make mistakes to where our defense will pull through like this is 2013 or 2012 or 2014 or the good old days with the Legion of Boom. they got to help their defense out a little bit. You know, that, 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 to me, would be the biggest thing. And, yeah, even last week, the way the game started, it's like they tried to get the ball to the receivers early, but it was like, it was like, oh, yeah, here's a little, you know, stay pass and a little short pass here just to say we got you the ball, right? And that's just not the way – that's not going to make people happy, nor is it going to scare defenses like the San Francisco 49ers or other defenses in football. You know, you got to come out with, hey, what, what have you drawn up in the lab during the week? Come out with a few plays that strike some fear into the defense and you watch your offense and now the short passes all open up and you go, whoa, we just threw a ball into the flat for four yards, but he, the, the team's so scared of our down-the-field threat and what we've done earlier, he turned up and got 12, yard, 12 more yards on that. You know, it's all so confined with them at times, and that's what was so enjoyable about the week one first-half performance. they got to find more ways to do stuff like that. I think it'll help out their whole football team, and it eventually will allow them to play the style they want to play as the offensive line comes along and gets better at running the football and everything else that comes with that. DK Metcalf, all that money they paid him, and he deserved it. Yes. 36 receiving yards week one on seven catches. Four catches for 35 receiving yards in week two. That's 71 total yards. I saw the number on the screen earlier, but it's just amazing to see the breakdown. 36 and 35 for a guy that is in the mid-20 million per year, a guy they had to keep. And I know there was some discussion there. Yeah, about trading, you know, are we, rebuilding. Are we tearing it down? Right. Are we rebuilding or reloading? What are we doing here? And I think Pete Carroll didn't want to completely abandon ship and start over again. But if you can't get the ball to DK Metcalf, if your strategies for doing so, we talked last week about how the X's and O's look good on the board with the the screen pass they threw to DK Metcalf and the guard comes out to block the guy who's in position to make the tackle, but the guard's 320 pounds and he can't get, the O can't get to the X. On the board, the O gets to the X. In practice, the O doesn't get to the X. But th- this is what happens, Chris, when you have an offense that is unimaginative and all of a sudden we're going to cook up all these ways to get the football to DK Metcalf. You have to, you have, to have some understanding of the difference between drawing the play up and having the play actually be executed. And if you, if you haven't baked that into your overall offensive approach, that's part of the growing pains. And it could be that maybe, maybe after week one they decided, well, I don't know, maybe we're getting a little too creative here. Maybe we're getting a little too far ahead of ourselves. I don't know where they go next with this offense, but they've got guys they're paying a lot of money. And at some point you've either got to use them or you got to ask yourself, why the hell do we pay them all this money? That's the point. I mean, that, that, you know, you know, we've had these conversations in the past. You want to start to evaluate a team. What's the first thing we do a lot of the times we look at it and go, wait, all right. So wait, where's who's being paid here? Are they performing? And right now? Yeah, they're, they're leaving money on the table. They're just, that is, It, it makes no sense. You know, they, they do. They have two big-time players that don't get a chance to really contribute to the team and, and you know, force their will and scare teams to where now it can open other things up. And that's something they certainly got to figure out and, and uh, try to fix there in Seattle. Because, again, I don't think – this is not eight years ago anymore. It's over. 
they got to start pushing the ball down the field, being a little more creative on the offensive side of the ball. You know, their defense is not going to be dominant and holding everybody to 10 points and seven points. Those it's, it's just not there anymore. So they got to help them out a little bit too here and help Geno Smith out. So we'll see where it goes, but like, I'm reluctant, you know, as we sit here and talk about it, I don't know. Are they capable of doing that? I'm not really sure if they are. I remember back when the Cardinals had Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden, and they were using both of them to a very high degree, and it was working. And, and I remember the Cardinals eventually said, well, we can't pay two receivers. You, nobody pays two receivers. Right. You, don't, you, can't, you got a salary cap to manage. You can't pay two receivers in this league. So now teams are paying two receivers. But if you have two receivers and you're not using them, what, why are you paying two receivers? I, it's, the, the, whole th- the whole thing is bizarre to me. And, and, again, these are decisions that people are making in real time, balancing a bunch of different factors. And I just think, in hindsight, they may have made a mistake here, especially if they're not going to yeah, – I'm still waiting for DK Metcalf to line up in the backfield like Debo Samuel. Yeah, I why hear you, you. Why don't you do that? Yeah. That's a way to give him the football. Like you said, he's got muscles popping out of his ears. Let him run between the tackles. Good luck tackling DK Metcalf, right. anybody who tries to get in his way. So, uh, and, and what's fascinating about this too, Chris, and this is what I love about football season, once you get into it and there's always a new train coming down the tracks heading right for you just six days away or four days away or five days away, whatever the case may be, there isn't a whole lot of time to, to <laughs> go back and regroup and revisit because you got to get ready for the next game. Right. Whatever changes you're going to make – you, you, you don't have time to dawdle. You don't have time to plan. You've got a lot of stuff to do from one week to the next. So it's fascinating to me which teams are really capable of addressing their issues and getting better because there just isn't the luxury of time that you have in the offseason when you're really carefully planning what you're going to do for the year. No, and you know, they, we got Atlanta this week. The spotlight will be on the offense this week. Oh, I mean, I don't think we're ready to write home and say that Atlanta is one of the top five defenses in football. They're going to be expected to move the ball on that group. We'll see if they can. You know, this will be a real test, and I think you know a little bit of a, a look into the future of what the offense maybe is capable of. Hopefully, they do open it up and give Geno, you know, some chances. There's there's nothing physically that Geno can't do as far as throwing the football. You know, we've seen that, and I hope everybody saw that in Week One. He's got a very strong arm. He can push the ball down the field with ease to guys like Tyler Lockett. We saw it a little last year, too. You know, they got to stop micromanaging quarterbacks so much. That's their biggest problem in Seattle to me in, in a lot of ways. Just uh, they got to find some ways to get them in a rhythm, be a little more creative, find some more explosive plays, and uh, they don't seem to have a feel or a knack for that by any stretch of the imagination. By the way, quarterback Geno Smith, in the aftermath of that week one win over the Broncos, when he said on multiple occasions, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back, he has filed for trademark protection of that phrase and plans to put it on merchandise. Now, it's kind of a long phrase, so you're going to need space. Because even actually added, though, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back, though. So, not... It's not something that's going to fit in neat and tidy fashion on, on a variety of merchandise. And frankly, if he doesn't start playing better, nobody's going to buy it. I don't know if you're ever going to use it. It's not going to work. The catchphrase fails if you're one and seven. When no. you're one and zero, oh, that's your time to sell the gear. When you're one and one, one and two, one and three, and benched, the window is closed on selling the I ain't right back, though, merchandise, Chris. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. It, it is a great saying, though. It really is. It's one that I, I had never heard before. So 
I don't know. Maybe it has a future just is in general, even without Geno Smith's name attached to it, and that's why he did it. But it yeah, was a great some, say. Some, some sayings have never been heard before for a reason. Well, I feel like I you don't take, know that If you works. take away though, it's, it's actually better. They wrote me off, but I ain't right back. But, you know, or I didn't write back. I, it, it works. You know, I don't know. It's funny, too, because he said it enough times after that game that it made me think he's really workshopped it and practiced it and he's been waiting to use it and he's very happy with it. I just, it may not be his best work, but uh, uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll have another catchphrase the next time they win a football game. We'll, uh, we'll stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for more from the Cardinals. I'm not throwing a break here. I'm just making a clunky segue. Yeah, gotcha. They have gotten to one and one after looking horrible in the season opener. And then turning it around, erasing the 20-point deficit. Kyler Murray, by the way, the first quarterback ever to have a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, a passing two-point conversion, and a rushing two-point conversion in the same game, for those of you who are fascinated by very obscure records. Um, Here's Cliff Kingsbury on what Kyler did in that second half when he absolutely took over the game against the Las Vegas Raiders. I'd love to see it from the start every week. You know, I think that's the ability and the um, talent that he has. And, and I got to do a better job um, getting our offense to a quicker start. There's no doubt. But but we've seen him do that before. And, and um, he can he can make it go when he wants to. Yeah. So where was it week one? That's the thing. He can make it happen. He can take a game over. We got to let him take a game over. There he is running. A touchdown that got the game within two, and then he, he threw that pass that threaded the needle. It was almost batted down uh, when they when they went up or when they when they forced overtime. Uh, there it is. There you yeah. see the Raiders player who almost gets a hand on it to uh, force overtime. I mean, it was an incredible performance by Kyler Murray. You just got to let him do his thing, and, and don't get in the way of great players. Just let great players go out there and be great, Chris. I, Mike, I, I think you're spot on here. You know, I, this is a game I, I watched pretty closely yesterday on film, too, and got a pretty good feel. Like, hey, I, we'd all love Kyler Murray to do that and do it. they got to help him do that. You know, the start of the game, a little bit like we've talked about with the other quarterbacks, they try to play a style of all, so they go, hey, this week we're going to come out and run the ball, and we're going to put two tight ends on the field. Like, that crap's over. I used to say, hey, they need more versatility. They, they're not capable of more versatility. Open the freaking field up. You're made to have a spread field. Throw the ball. Have 9 million screens. Have 9 million short passes. Their passing game's not that creative, so find just those ways to help out the rest of the passing game. Quarterback draws. Quarterback design run plays. That's where the game changed. They tried to play this way of, like, we're going to be balanced and do crap like that early on in the football game, and they never got in a rhythm. When they opened it up and just said, hey, just throw it to this guy. Here's a screen. Here's a wide receiver screen. Quarterback draw. Option down the side. You know, he can pitch it. He can fake pitch it, run. If you're going to pay this guy all this damn money, start using him the way he's supposed to be used. That's the, To me, it is on them. I think you're spot on here. You know, and then he can start to get in rhythm like we talk about and now start to make people miss when he scrambles and does. He had some of the damnedest plays you'll ever see in your life in that football game. I mean, he had plays where you go, he was tackled seven times in that play and yet no one tackled him and he got away and ran for the two-point conversion or ran for a touchdown. It's, it's unreal. But I think you're spot on there. They gotta, this is who they are, and they have these moments during these games where they try to be something else than what they are, and they're not capable. 
They're not a block down, block down, pull the guard and, you know, smash mouth football. When they do that, they don't even look right. They're not made for it. They don't know how to coach it. This is, they're better off when they got four receivers to the right and one guy to the left and just play crazy Texas Tech football. That's what you're built to do. Do it. And I think sometimes they do. They handicap Murray by, you know, what you're saying. They just don't let it fly that way. And, and, and to me, that's when they're most dangerous. And like we've talked about with these other teams and how they're built and where the money's spent, this is how they're built. This is where the money's spent. So let it go. Stop trying to pretend you're something else than what you are. Speaking of spent, he was spent after that two-point conversion. 20.8 seconds that's insane. it took. 84.9 yards covered by Kyler Murray, and he made it look so easy and calm. It's got to be so frustrating. You just can't catch him. You can't track him down. And, yeah, let him do his thing. I wonder if they're trying to to evolve him into something other than what he is. Are they trying to protect him from injury like the ankle problem last year that caused him to miss several games, and then he really wasn't the same the rest of the season? I just think you have to accept who he is, what he does, and maximize it. Isn't that what good coaching is? Identifying your best players, what makes them your best players, and coming up with ways to get the most out of the skill sets of your most skilled players. Yeah. That's it. Yes. That's it. Exactly. That's the magic. And that's the secret. Yes. I agreed. Agreed. You know, you got to play to that. That, That's the, that's what you are there. And, 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 you know, when you talk to, you know, coaches or people around the league, and you talk about the Cardinals, that's what scares them. Whoa, the the weapons and speed they have. And then, wait, we want to play coverage, but wait, we have to worry about, you know, Kyler and the spread and the quarterback design run and stuff. So, wait, I, we don't we can't play coverage because we got to worry about that and bring a safety down, and that's where they can put you in a bind. You know, the, the and you know, they want to play fast, they want to do some of that no huddle stuff. Okay, well, find some creative ways to do that. The game changed in the third quarter a little bit when you know he hit a deep cross finally, spread out the field. Then all of a sudden it was a screen and the Kyler option and the pitch option and another design run. And that's when I, I'm sitting here looking at my notes right now, if you wonder why I'm looking down, because I go, this is who they are. You know, Screw this other stuff here. But that's when the game changed completely. And that's when the Raiders had to stop playing too deep because they started to go, whoa, whoa. Quarterback draw, pitch option, Uh uh-oh, wait, we can't just play sit too deep and do all this now. We don't have enough people to stop those type of football plays. And that's when they got the Raiders going, whoa, whoa, which way do they go? Which way do they do? There's four receivers here and one guy here, and they got it all going, and that's when they gained control of the football game. And I think they just got to stop pretending and let the game play that way and just you know play with your hair on fire. That's when they're at their best. Let's go ahead and take a break before we get to the point where our hair is on fire as it relates to how much time we have left in the show. When we return, Stephon Diggs, coming off of a great night against the Tennessee Titans, spoke with me yesterday. We'll play a little bit of the conversation and talk more about the best team in football right now, the Buffalo Bills, when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this.